Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to uh, reiterate the uh, discipleship class that will begin tomorrow night. It coincides with Kingdom Men and Kingdom Women at 7, so we have childcare. If you've never experienced a small group setting, I'd encourage you to come as well. It is, uh, it's kind of a new believers discipleship class. Jesus didn't say go and make people believers. He said go and make disciples. There's something about that. So if you can come on Monday night, uh, we'll have child care at seven. Also kingdom men and kingdom women will be going as well. So I wanna ask some questions this morning before we uh, jump into the video that we're gonna show. Um, do you know your family roots? There's this new uh, desire. Lots of folks are digging into DNA and people are actually connecting with family members. Um, my son-in-law found his father after how many, 50 years, 49 years? 52 years through a connection, through the DNA. So there's something about this desire to know your roots. But more importantly, do you know your spiritual roots? Amen. Do you know where you're going? <laughs> That's really important. <laughs> and so if you read the scriptures, you'll recognize there's one big family. He says there's gonna be many tribes and tongues that have come, but there's one family. He, you know, there's some real, really awesome scriptures. In Revelation 19, it says, come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The bride has made herself ready by the good deeds. Didn't say brides. Jesus is not a polygamist, okay? He didn't have a whole bunch of brides. In fact, it gives me a headache when I think about David and Solomon, and you know, one of, the, one of my grandkids asked the question, says, Papa, he had all these brides and all these uh, porcupines. <laughs> Why do you have all these porcupines? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. He had, and, and, uh, hey, anyway, I just, goes on in Revelation 21, it goes on and it says, uh, come and I will show you the bride. It's not plural. Revelation 20, I'll show you the bride. So there's something about the becoming the bride, so guys, get comfortable with that. If they're the sons of God, we can be the bride of Christ and we'd we'll be all right with that, right? But there's something, and that is not a woke statement of, you know, it just is what it is. But Jesus had it before they even dreamed about being woke. And so I want us to recognize that there's one new man that uh, we read and we opened the scriptures this morning to start the service out of Ephesians chapter two. He brings both Jew and Gentile together. Romans 11, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time there. Romans 11 talks about being grafted in. There is the natural root of the olive tree, which is Israel, and it says because of their disobedience, we have been grafted in. The Gentiles, the plan always was that the Gentiles would be part of the family root structure. So this is, we've been put in together, Jew and Gentile together. So this is a really important season. Um, I want you to open with me to, first of all, you don't have a copy of the handout, you'll need it this morning. I'd like you to take it with you because I'm not gonna read all of it or spend a lot of time with it, but I'd really like you to understand the season that we're about to enter. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, let's go there. You're probably familiar with this scripture that talks about Jesus is getting ready to, to leave and he's telling the disciples that he's doing that. They're somewhat confused about where are you going? We don't know the way. And 
Well, let's begin in John 14, verse one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. King James says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am and you know the way and where I'm going. Pretty phenomenal statements here. He's preparing a place, he's gonna come get us and don't be troubled. When everything's ready, we'll always be with him. That's an amazing scripture. Look at verse, let's go on and let's look also at verse 26 of John 14. It says, well let's look at the 25. I'm telling you these things while I'm still with you But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. This is the promise of his second coming. And so, when we look at that, I want us to now turn to Thessalonians. We are entering into the fall feast season, and there are some amazing correlation of what I will call epoch times or scheduled times, events. So turn with me to Thessalonians, and let's begin in chapter four, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. I love the sounds of pages turning. Just... Something about a beautifully marked up Bible. Man, I just, man, I, I hate when they wear out. I've had, it's like I know it's on the right side of the page right here, and it's, man, it's awesome. First Thessalonians chapter four, and let's begin in verse 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. For the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we will be with the Lord forever. Man, if that doesn't raise your, your anointing, it's like you need an adjustment. It says, then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Chapter five, verse one. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, disaster will come on them suddenly as a pregnant woman in labor and her pains begin and there will be no escape, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. 
Did you hear the difference between those who are caught unaware and those who are aware, not caught in that dark place? But you are in the dark about these, brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you're the children of the light, and on that day, you don't belong to the darkness of the night. So be on guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and clear-headed. King James says, would you be sober about this? Nighttime is for those who sleep and drinkers who get drunk, but let those who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, wearing as our helmet confidence of the salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage yourself. Build each other up as you are already doing. Man, if that just doesn't clarify a whole lot for us. So if you'll turn and look at your handout now, I, wanna, I want us to look at the appointed feast, the times, God's seven appointed seasons in Leviticus chapter 23. We won't turn there now, but it lists the seven feasts of the Lord. In that paragraph there, I said, God's eternal plan from chaos to eternity is ingeniously revealed through the nature and the timing of the seven annual feasts of the Lord. Now, as believers, someone said, Pastor, are you trying to make us Jewish? Uh, you, remember, I just told you, your roots. You might as well get used to it. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to make us Jewish because we're free in that. We're all grafted in. He likes the wild bunch as well as the other bunch. As believers in Jesus, we're not required to keep the feast, but knowledge of them enhances our faith and reveals God's timetable. If you got issues with that, I'll draw your attention to, go look at Colossians 2.16, Romans 14.5, or Galatians 4.10. It'll tell you, look, don't let anybody try to tell you you have to do this or do that. Let the Lord lead you, and there's freedom in the house, but there's something also about it. Why is those feasts important? Number one, the spring feast, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. Jesus was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, raised on first fruits, and sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. So if you don't think those four feasts are important, Jesus lived them exactly as the word said it would. So we ought to get some excitement. I'm getting zapped right now. We ought to get excited about the remaining three feasts because that is, again, a prophetic timetable. So let's look at the fall feasts. Number four there. Trumpets, atonement, Yom Kippur, and tabernacles, Sukkot. The word in Hebrew there, moed, means appointed time. That's out of Leviticus 23.4. A particular time and place for a special purpose to meet God in his presence. Those are the feasts, the feast days. Now when you look at that, Rosh Hashanah begins tonight at sundown. It is the Jewish New Year. It is the beginning. And it sets off in series a number of things the Jewish families did. That starts September 25th tonight at sundown. Rosh Hashanah was marked, and we're gonna start the end of this service when you leave here. It's, uh, it started with a number of short trumpet blasts followed by one long unbroken blast in the Hebrew, Tekaya Gedola, which means the last trumpet. Interesting. 
the last trumpet. I just read out of first, uh, out of uh, Thessalonians, but you could also look in Corinthians. In fact, let's turn there quickly. First um, Corinthians 15. The last trumpet. Paul talks to this to the, brings this out to the Corinthians church. Let's begin in First Corinthians 15, and, and let's begin in verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. That's why I think something about trumpets this season. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your sting, or victory, O death, where is the sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives its sin its power, but thank God he has given us victory over sin and death, and that the Lord Jesus Christ, so my brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable, work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I love it, man. So we get excited. That last trumpet is, we don't know the day or the hour. I get it. We're not saying that. But let's look at some of the coinciding things that are about ready to take place this month. Look at um, numbers 4C, uh, let's see, 4C there, Yom Kippur. Ten days after Rosh Hashanah, so ten days from tonight, means the Day of Atonement. It is the most holiest of days in Jewish tradition, can expect a visitation from the Lord. That word quorum deo in the Latin means in his presence or before the face of God. And on that Yom Kippur, which is on a Wednesday night here, we're gonna have October 5th, we're gonna have a night of consecration. We're gonna do communion, we're gonna have a time of soaking. That Wednesday night, I would encourage you to come and be part of a place where you get your house in order. Come to that place and just ask this whole month. The reason we've coincided the uh, 21-day fast, let me just make a comment here. Some have said, Pastor Daniel fast, 21 days. We did put a handout out there. I thank you that Sarah Bramstead put together. She's a holistic uh, counselor. There's a copy out there if you'd like some information. But I recognize not everybody can do that. Uh, There are some that have children, it's like, Get my kids to eat vegetables the whole time? Wow. That, so look, you just let the Lord lead you, okay? Um, I just want to encourage you to enter and do something that costs you during this season. Not that we're going to like, hey, God, you see how much I'm suffering, so at least you do something. No, that's not the purpose of fasting. Um, Jesus said when he was criticized, why don't your disciples fast? He said, well, when the bridegroom's here, why would you fast? <laughs> Now when we leave, when I leave, they'll fast. So there's something about that. We've asked the Lord to show us our giants. What's the giant in your family? What's the giant over your business? Where is your financial health? What's going on in your life that is not lining up with the promises of God? 
Why don't you knock on heaven's door and ask him, Lord, I'm humbling myself in prayer. Shut off Netflix. Do the, get, those, get in focus. This is a season to come before him and ask him. Not some religious act. This is, no, I want to be close to you, God. I want revelation. I want you to move the mountains. Mark 11 says, you want your mountain to move? Speak to it. Forgive those who, you know, disarm. Believe and pray, believing you have them. Those are some of the conditionalities associated with this. So I just encourage you. We're going to do a night of consecration. But then it says, D, Sukkot, on Sunday, October 9th through the 16th. Sukkot means tabernacles. There's a place where God is gonna come and tabernacle with his people. The Jewish custom there was, he came, remember they build their feasts and they build, they're building their booths. Last year, during the fall feast session, we set up the Sukkot. Where's Parthena? She decorated that whole thing. It was like, yay, the, ta- the place where God was gonna tabernacle with us. And then we put the tent up for seven months. God has tabernacled with his people. We can see that in, in Exodus 34, Leviticus 23, 39. It was when God delivered his people from slavery. If you got something that has enslaved your family, this would be a really good time to tabernacle with God. The ultimate deliverance in Jesus is coming. I just read it to you. He's coming back. And those who are of the day know when he's coming. You're not in the dark. Paul made it really clear. If you don't see what's going on right now, you are not in the scriptures. It is really clear. Now, I'm not giving you a date and a time, but look at the coinciding of these feast days. This particular season will not happen again for 50 years. I believe one of these fall, number five there, I believe one of these fall feast seasons, Jesus is coming the second time. This year is also a Shemitah year. It's a seven-year period where all of the debting, indebtedness is, is gone. They release all the debts, all the places where you owe something. The land was put into fallow for a whole year. This is a season that that is coinciding now. It's also a Jubilee 50th year. 49, seven uh, of those feast days that they looked at that look now is coinciding with another 50 years. It's the season of Jubilee to celebrate the freedom in the land. What they would do is they would say, thank you God for the freedom. Thank you that you've kept us for seven sevens of these years and now we come and we honor you in the midst of this. That's happening this season. There's one more. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but you can look at it in Deuteronomy 31. I did that, it's called Hakal. The seven-year gathering, it was a place where Moses said every seven years, the, the male Jews were required to go to Jerusalem and be with them every year, be with the, the Lord every year. But every seventh year, all of the families, men, women, children, all of the servants, everybody came and the king read the scriptures to them once every seven years. This is also coinciding with this season. I want you to see, it's not gonna happen again for 50 years. Is he gonna wait another 50 years? He might. But it's just awful interesting that uh, those things are all coinciding. So I just wanna encourage you to join with us in the 21-day fast. Do something and ask the Lord to show you the giants in our land, the giants in your family, that you want him to move out of the way. Cut the Goliath head off. If there's generational stuff in your family, this would be a really good time 
the addiction, the lawlessness, the brokenness, the immorality, the perversion, if those things are going, this would be a really great time to get before the Lord and said, I need you to move this mountain for me. And so I thank the Lord. Let's get ready. At the end of the service today, we're going to have the ministry team come. I want to just introduce uh, this video to you. First, I want to honor the Lord, obviously, for what he's done. But also, this is a time to honor my friend, Neil Blake, who went to be with the Lord in January. Um, Probably would take all day to talk to you about. I, I was personal friends with Neil for 27 years. He had the vision for the tent last fall feast season. A couple of months before that, he came to me in my office. He said, Tom, I haven't put up the tent since 2012, but I'm feeling led, and I've never put it up on a church before, but I'm feeling led that we're supposed to put this tent up. And so during the season of the fall feast, I think we're supposed to do that. And we would go and, and do it for these number of days. Well, we started, you're gonna see the video, and it ended up going for 41 days straight, 24-7, and you'll see some of the testimonies of life that came out of that. Now, I know when Neil and I met, another one, none of us would have known that, that Neil would not be with us during this fall feast, or Bill Trogdon, some of those that have run with me for years to the nations, and so, I don't want to honor the Lord, but I also want to honor Neil and his family. Is any of Neil's family here this morning? Thank you, guys. Thank you for being here. We're all Neil's family. If any of you were impacted by Neil Blake, why don't you stand for a moment? Thank you. If you knew Neil and uh, when we were kicking off the, the preparations for it, we had a permit for six months. The fire marshal, this is again unheard of, the fire marshal gave Neil a permit for six months. She actually let us go for seven months, right? And Craig's back there. Craig Little set up the tent with Neil all over the place. <laughs> and Neil, we had the tent moved around from Israel. I remember several years ago, um, Neil came. What year did you guys go to Israel with the tent, Mount of Olives? 2008? So it was, two, it was late, uh, middle of 2007, Neil came to me and he said, the Lord's told me we're gonna put the, the 5,000 person worship tent up on the Mount of Olives and uh, you're supposed to help me and we're gonna organize and we're gonna send worship teams there. I said, Neil, that sounds like a really good way to get killed because the, the, the other faith owns, uh, has control of that area. He goes, yeah, I know, but God told me. Neil was, if, if he heard from God, you better get out of the way. And uh, man, there's too many stories on that with connections with the 90 some odd year old uh, Mata who was the head of the families of that, who had had visions of Neil when he walked in to get permission to put the tent up. The man turned and says, this is the man who's in my dreams. And he turned to his seven sons and he said, you will make sure that this happens and you'll make sure he doesn't get hurt. And the only thing that ever happened in that tent, we had you know, $400,000 worth of security required by the, the mayor and all the, you know, it was wild. We had a, fire, a Molotov cocktail thrown through the back of the tent, which burned the tent one night. We left it there as a memorial of what God did. <laughs> so when we would set up the tent all around the states, D.C., Mount Maria, that was there. And so Neil was one of these guys, he was known as the Holy, he said, I'm a Holy Spirit man. And he would drive people happy with that whole statement. You know, you gotta hear the Lord. You got, 
He had a ministry called One in Christ Ministries out of Ephesians. He believed the Jew and Gentile. I think maybe somebody knows. I think he made 19 trips to Israel. Something like that. It was, but I remember connections that he made. He opened the door for us when we would take multiple trips there. There was a pastor there named David Decker that connected with Neil. He was the meteorologist in Israel for many, many years. So many of you, if I said Francis Weller, you would know, oh, that's the lady who's on Channel 6. That was even more famous was David because he was a meteorologist when the nation was formed. They needed somebody who was educated in that and he would get up and so here's this Gentile pastor who's a meteorologist and everybody knew David Decker because it was like one or two channels at that time in Israel. And so David was a connection that Neil and I connected with and many times did things there in Israel and Jerusalem together. But I want to share with you one event. There's too many to share, but I want to share one that uh, really impacted me. Neil, in many of his trips, there was a, a, a David connected with a man called Gil Olochevich, and some of you met him when he was here. Um, he was, he's a businessman, he's an author, he has an information technology company, uh, well-known in Israel, pretty well-known even in the, in, the, in the political realm, and so one day Neil um, called me up and he says, David's gonna call you, David Decker, they're gonna come from Israel. So David calls me and he says, I wanna come, we're selling this uh, software thing called Bible Islands, I've hired David, my rabbi and I are doing Old Testament so children can go online and find the scriptures, but I need somebody to help me with the New Testament so I've hired Pastor David, so we wanna come and we wanna sell you Bible Islands. I said, well, okay. Uh, so they picked a date and they said, we're gonna come and by the way, um, Gil has never been in a Christian church before. I said, okay. Uh, he's, you know, he's, a, he's Jewish, and I said, yeah, okay. And so they gave me the date. Well, I forgot to write it down. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we sent our youth group to Brazil to be with Youth Power Invasion with Randy and Bill Clark. They came back, was all excited. And whenever anybody comes back from those kind of trips, we give them the, the podium. So it coincided that our youth who'd been to Brazil with all the miracles they saw, were gonna preach and lead the service and pray for everybody, and it's the same time that Gil and David are supposed to arrive. So Saturday night, they call, David calls me and says, hey, we're here in Wilmington, we just flew in from Israel. I go, we'll be there tomorrow. I said, no, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, no, um, that's not gonna work. We got, it's gonna be wild. He goes, oh, that's good. I said, <laughs> I'm not responsible for, so, we walk in the prayer room and I meet Gil for the first time and he's taking pictures of the prayer room. We had the talik and so he goes, he's sending his rabbi pictures. He goes, these guys have more stuff than we got in the temple, right? And so, so we're sitting here and a 12 year old guy named Andrew is up and he's preaching and he gets a word of knowledge. Now I didn't know this, only David and Neil knew. Gil had been in a bicycle accident in Tel Aviv and had been run over by a car, had broken shoulder, broken this shoulder and this leg, and had had surgery, and he was even complaining on the, on the plane, he could not have range of motion higher than this, he couldn't sleep, and so, we don't know, I don't know, but Jehovah Sneaky knows that, right? And so, so Gil, they're sitting right here, where Miss Addie and them are, and Andrew gets up and says, um, there's someone here, you have problems in your left shoulder, if you will raise your arm right now, God will heal you. Well, Gil turns over, David's sitting there, and Neil's sitting there, and Gil looks over and says, is this what you guys do in the service? And, and Neil says, <laughs> So he goes, oh, okay, he raises his arm and he's completely healed. 
But he's, he's, not, he's not one of those um, expressive kind of guys. He's like. So Neil tells him, wherever you go, if you want to keep it, you got to tell everybody. Oh, boy. He told Netanyahu when he met with him again. And so he met with all the IDF generals and told them as well. So anyway, it gets even better. So he comes up, he shares that, and we buy Bible Island. Six months later, I get a call back from David. He goes, it's amazing what's going on. But um, we want to sell you part two of the version. Can we come? I said, there's a condition to that. When you come, Gil's got to give his testimony. Right? Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus, spirit of prophecy. So, so he said, okay, we'll come. Well, this time I got the dates right. And so we're preaching. Well, that happened to be that, you know, there's no little Holy Spirit. So we had just finished training all of our middle schoolers on how to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, right? And so we trained them. So the children's ministers come in and says, we got a, we got a children's ministry team. We're ready. I said, really? That's interesting. Yay. Been working on that for months. Well, um, one of our guys comes in with a testimony. His name's Michael. He goes, I prayed for a lady in a thrift store yesterday who was in a wheelchair. She got out of the wheelchair and her left knee was healed. And I got to end the point preaching in the, in the whole thing. I was like, he goes, I want to share that testimony. And I'm thinking, left knee. Kills left knee. He wondered, his rabbi asked him, why didn't God heal your knee and your shoulder? Why did he do your shoulder only? He goes, well, I don't know, but I'm glad he healed my shoulder. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, so Michael gets up, shares his testimony, and I said, okay, we're gonna do this different. If you're here and you have some kind of joint issue in your knees, raise your hand. A bunch of hands went up. I said, bring my, my middle school ministry team up here. You see those hands up there? I want you to go lay hands on them. So in the service, they go, there was a little girl named Anna Grace, nine years old, she goes over to where Gil is sitting there. She couldn't remember. He couldn't. said something like, there's no pain in heaven. Would you heal his knee in Jesus' name? Gil said he felt fire go from the top of his kneecap to his ankles. And then he turns to Neil and, and, and David. He goes. <laughs> so again, not expressive. So it's time. I don't know that's happened. All I know is, praise God, okay. We, no drama, no, no. So then Gil comes over. And it's time for him to share his testimony about his shoulder. And he just go, he, he, <laughs> Okay, I came here, and last time I was here, my shoulder got healed. And now I have no pain in this knee. So... He then goes back to Israel because it was during one of the times where Hamas was firing out rockets across the Gaza border there and he meets with Netanyahu and shares his testimony of how he was healed in the Christian church. He, Netanyahu wanted to know, are the Christians still with us? You visited 30 churches. He says, they're with us. Oh, they're with us. And so, so here, the last thing, Gil, I didn't know this, but then Neil and I get invited to go to the Willard Anybody know where the Willard is? It's a couple of blocks. It's not in my um, pay grade to go there. It's, uh, it's called the, the President's Residence. 200 years, it, most of the dignitaries go there. I, it's like 500. It's, it's not your Best Buy hotel, okay? And so we get this call. Gil has asked us to come and be part of the Bible Museum that's gonna be starting up. They're gonna build a museum of the Bible within a few blocks of the White House. And they're raising funds and 
200 people have been invited. So Neil and I drive up there. We're in this suite. He and I are looking at each other like, how in the heck? What are we doing here? You got this bag of fruit thing that it would take me a week or more to, you know, like, what are we doing? He goes, hey, Gil's just said come. Turn to come to find out. The Green family who owns Hobby Lobby, who is, does a lot for Christian, was part of the group that was helping to build the Museum of the Bible. And Gil got hired with his information technology company to do the technology part of the Bible Museum, a portion of it, a humongous contract. And so we walk in the lobby, and there's Gil. He goes, Neil, Tom, come here, come here, come here, come here. (laughs) What? He goes, these are the guys I was telling you about. Turns to the green CFO and says, these are the guys. I'm like, we're the guys? (laughs) I'm not the guy. (laughs) He's the guy, (laughs) you know. Anyway, between all of our hunting trips, I got to be friends first. Um, Les and Wes will remember, we would go on trips to Colorado horseback. Neil was a horseman, and uh, he would rent these horses, and we would go into the, you know, up into the mountains of Colorado and hunt elk, and nearly got me, um, well, let's just say I survived a lot of events with him. That um, and we would hunt here. I want to apologize to Wes and Les. There were times when he would take me to your hunting grounds here, and it was rules about shooting only big bucks. And I had my granddaughter for the first time hunting with me, and there was a buck that looked really big in the scope, <laughs> but it didn't meet the rules. I don't know if Neil ever really told you about that one, so I repent publicly. Um, it was still good eating, and anyway, praise the Lord. Let me. <laughs> Let me just say that um, he was a, an extremely unique man who loved the Lord. And so as you watch this video, um, you're gonna see his heart. I want you to gather his heart. He loved Israel. He had a plan right up until the mystery of we, we prayed and fasted for over 30 days, I believe, for him to be set free. And uh, it just was his time. He had finished his race and and along with that, shortly thereafter, Bill Trogdon as well. So you're gonna see some pictures here of people that are in heaven now on, they're part of the great cloud of witnesses. So let's go ahead and let's show this. Um, if you'll turn off your phones and try not to move around, at the end of the service, uh, we'll have the ministry team will come up. We're gonna blow the shofar for the start of Rosh Hashanah and we'll pray for any of those. Those who are joining by live stream will also have it posted, so thank you.
he's coming back. I guess I'm not going anywhere for a while. So long for now. <laughs> Oh boy. Where's where's Buckley? Where's Buckley? Come here. This guy created it. We thank the Lord for it. I don't know how many hours he put together for this, but you know, it was wild. Just a quick testimony. Um, he Neil contracted, well, no, just contacted. These guys met out in the hall. <laughs> and uh, Neil said, well, take some pictures and take some shots. <laughs> well, he did, and, but there was no contract. After uh, the first set of seven months of meetings, the Lord said, we gotta capture this because it's gonna be part of the revival. And so um, the Lord told me to get with this guy. We put a contract together. I went to the board and the board said, we don't have money for this, it's not in the budget. I said, I know. He goes, well, he said, well, we trust you. I said, thank you. Was the next day or two days later, someone came in anonymously from, not from this church, handed us a $10,000 check for the tent. And uh, so I wanna, I wanna thank Buck for his, his, for his skill set, how Neil and he connected and God put it together. And, and it was just a forerunner, you know, shortly after the tent had to come down because it'd been up for seven months. Fire Marshal said, you got to take it down. Jesse and Parker came and said, well, we have a 2,000 person tent. And that, we went for three months uh, and then went to the, so it's, it's still beginning right now. Parker and Jesse, I contact them this week. They're going to, uh, they're in New York at a, doing a, basically a mission revival. Pray for them. I want to pray for their protection and safety. They'll be there for a week. So, Let's stand. I want to invite the ministry team, if you'll come forward. If you're here this morning and, you know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above any circumstance. So, one, if you don't know the Lord or you're listening by live stream um, at this time or some time in the future, God is in the midst of us here. He's, he's everywhere, but it, we know and we want him to be, receive all the glory that he so deserves. So Lord, I thank you this morning. Lord, I honor first and foremost you and we started by declaring that those who believe in you shall never die. And yet we have assignments this side of heaven. And my good friend and brother Neil, I, I miss him, I cry often. And I ask that uh, you would honor his legacy and his desire. His 5,000 person tent went with Chris Richardson to the mountains is gonna be used there. The 500 person tent that he purchased here is gonna go up again. I'm asking the Lord when. So Lord, I just thank you, Father, for your purpose and plan here this morning. And we honor you and we honor all those that are in this great cloud of witnesses. Bill Trogdon, who walked with Neil in on that first night, he also went to be with the Lord and so we thank you this morning, God, for all that you've done and are doing among us here. We thank you for the revival that is in our own hearts. Now we're gonna kick off this 21-day fast. I'm gonna ask Miss B if she'll, remember I read you the beginning of 
Rosh Hashanah, a, a series of blasts and a long blast that, so we thank you. There's it right there. There's one long blast. I do not speak any well in, in Hebrew, but I call it the tekia. There's nine short, the broken sound. Um, that's the teruah, and then one more long. And this is a call to battle, y'all. Come on, give us a shout. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. God bless you all. Have a great day. Don't forget, starts tonight, Rosh Hashanah. Tomorrow we start our fast at noontime. Go in 21 days. Thank you. God bless. Come for prayer.